Hello and welcome to the Crack and Banter podcast with me, Reese, and my co-host Luke. Luke, how are you today? In the words of Michael Bublé, I'm feeling good. Oh, nice. I like that. Oh, are you going to give us a little rendition? No, but we'll offer you a bit. I think Michael Bublé is the singing world's version of Ryan Reynolds, if you think about it. Right. Okay. What makes you say that? Oh, well, not right in terms of what their career well both have stellar career outputs of course was just thinking more in terms of personality Mm. yeah I don't know I I feel like I feel like yes similar but Ryan Reynolds kind of pulls off the cringiness a little bit more than Michael Bublé does well I suppose that not that Ryan Reynolds isn't hot but I feel like it's harder with Michael Bublé because he is so hot potentially like, yeah. I think for um, the self-deprecating jokes, it, like, works best, like, in a narrow window of handsomeness where you're still a 10, but you're not, like, I don't know, the, the 10 out of 10 of the 10 out of 10s. So that's yeah, not, you, like, you can't have, like, the you can't have like the classy charisma that Bublé has, whereas Ryan Reynolds has a more approachable charisma. I feel like that's the difference. Both yes. very charismatic, but it's definitely, yes, it's, that, it's that velvety... Uh, that velvety tone that Bublé has is what separates them. Yeah, sorry, I wasn't insulting Ryan Reynolds, as I said. It's still a te- 10. It's just, you know, Michael Bublé's built different, different. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I mean, the the voice just does so much for a person, you know, like being able to to sing like that. It's just, even if he even if he wasn't already a handsome guy, that would just be, that would be a game changer you know but he already is a handsome guy so then you add that to it it's just you can't compete with that i don't think well you've got i suppose you've got like the uh you've got the triangle like uh of singing acting dancing mm-hmm. and um but then you've got like your hugh jackman's who are the triangle yeah yeah <laughs> that is true that is true it's, uh, it's kind it of sells in every city <laughs> yeah uh it's kind of weird though because like I know we talked about Logan. I like went back to going back to that movie. That was the first ser- serious role I'd watched um, Hugh Jackman in for like a few years, and I forgot like he does serious acting and is very good at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, so you expect that, him to just be like having a good fun time in every movie? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the smile. He's got one yeah. of those smiles, you know. Um, yeah. Actually, I have to watch Prisoners. I've heard that's his best role. I haven't seen that. Actually, I mean, it's one of those movies, I think it's getting kind of a cult following because I think it went somewhat under the radar at the time, but now it's being like picked up mm. as like just a really good movie, but sent, but anchored around like two really good performances from Jack Gyllenhaal and um, Hugh Jackman. Uh, okay. I, mean, I think to be fair, he's not underrated, but I also think people forget how good an actor Jack Gyllenhaal is until he's in something again. Yeah, I think so too. Because yeah, he will like he'll be all you kind of see for a week or so when he's in something, and then people just forget about it again. <laughs> really good interview. I like yeah because I didn't think he would be. Sorry, that that was that was assuming. But like when I saw him doing like the media tour with Tom mm. Holland, who you would expect, who is also a very good interview, but you would expect him to be like the charismatic one, whilst Jake Gyllenhaal was the most more reserved one, even though like yeah. obviously Jake Gyllenhaal is more of a veteran. But like Jack Gyllenhaal like took the lead in the interviews and was really charming and funny, as was Tom yeah. Holland. But I'm just saying it's <laughs> I didn't it wasn't necessarily what I would have expected from yeah. Gyllenhaal. 
I was impressed. Yeah, definitely. But... Have you ever seen um that that was on like the the press tour for Spider Man? Have you ever seen any of the interviews or like clips from interviews where uh it just becomes more and more evident that Jake Gyllenhaal has never seen any of the other Marvel movies? Because like obviously in those interviews, a lot of the time the interviewers will like have you know MCU specific questions and they'll just ask you know what's your what's your favorite MCU movie or who who do you think your character would best be would be best want to team up with or this kind of thing and just all these questions Jake Gyllenhaal's like oh uh, why don't you answer this one <laughs> he's like clearly has no idea he's like oh that's what I was gonna say he just yeah. he has absolutely not seen any of the Marvel movies and I think that's really funny yeah I don't yeah I don't have an issue with it because like at the end of the day I don't think an actor needs to have seen the movies to be good in them but the other one who was like that was Christian Bale yeah I mean maybe seen some of them I mean it's very clear he hadn't watched he wasn't like <laughs> yeah. a big Marvel fan he's like he he it's always weird when you watch his interviews because he's like does an American accent in all his movies you forget like it's not like he's got one of those English accents like um uh, Damien Lewis is the other one who always does American roles and it's surprising to hear him do his English accent but he's yeah. got quite a neutral accent so it's really obvious how he can just switch into the American accent. But, mm-hmm. like, Christian Bale's accent is really thick. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't sound like someone who would be good at accents. Yeah. Yeah, like definitely. His, his American accent is perfect. Oh, yeah, it's flawless. Um, like, I like Christian Bale a lot, actually. I, 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 I like saw him, him do a, a breakdown of his, his most famous roles. can't remember. Is it, like, GQ or something that does that? Yeah, um, it was GQ. I... I I've got halfway through him and to go back to it and forgot. Yeah, I just, I like that. And I've seen him in other interviews similarly where he like, he does just talk very passionately or like he doesn't gloss over anything. Like he, he had anecdotes about every movie, which I know a lot of actors do on those kinds of things. But like, you can see he doesn't, he doesn't forget those things or like, uh, just, as I say, gloss over it or anything quickly is kind of, it's really interesting. He obviously... Yeah. I mean, which is good for an actor is obviously very interested in acting, you know. Yeah. Which again is true for lots, but he he's articulates it really well, which I think is makes him yeah. very fun to watch, even when he's just being himself uh, in an interview or whatever. Yeah, I was gonna say I've sort of changed my opinion on him as well because I used to think he was kind of a bit. I don't, I don't know what word I'd use to say. Like I used to think he was, but I just thought he came off poorly. But then, like when I watched more of it, I actually became clear. I mean. I don't, I don't want to put a label on him, say he's like shy or introverted or something, but I don't think he's like into doing all the, the publicity stuff. But when he gets to talk about something he's passionate about, like he is clearly really dedicated to his craft and is very passionate about acting. And once he starts yeah. talking about that, you can see a real passion for it. And he actually, he speaks very well about some of the people he's worked with. Like, you know, when he was talking about the director of American Psycho, he was very effusive about her. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, well, speaking of, you know, classic um, pieces of cinema with, with incredible acting performances, um, did you see the Super Mario Bros trailer? Yahoo! Yeah, it did. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, we talked about this a little while ago, and I forgot how interested we were in it until I saw this again, because I was kind of like, obviously, it's been it's been talked about, and um, I forgot about it, and then I watched the trailer, and I was like, oh yeah this weird movie and it's Chris Pratt I forgot like about all the weird casting and all too I am still excited about this <laughs> and still like I I don't know the trailer didn't like 
do anything to make me particularly more excited but I I just I don't know I still find it funny I uh, this is what maybe this might be the first in the list of like movies that we uh, weird movies that we've been really intrigued by there's you know this obviously the the avatar sequels we've been talking about a lot um the the wonka movie um maybe a couple of others but this might be the the first one that we're actually like gonna see maybe will avatar be out first i can't remember the release dates of everything but um, avatar too is soon i think but i don't know be soon. Soon. yeah but uh it's it's interesting now that we're actually we're starting to get trailers for all these things that we just kind of uh they were just ideas before they were just fun ideas they were all hypothetical and now now they're a reality uh what what do you think about this um i i, I was impressed but i think um i like obviously it's hard to tell read into like how good the plot will be or or really like how good people inside advisor will have been active because we didn't really see that much of it. i think i think people just like to dog on chris pratt which I think yeah. is unfair. Um, so I thought people were being very harsh based off of like maybe one line of dialogue that was very short and hard to actually make out what voice he was doing. I, that's yeah. that's a different issue. There's no point addressing all of the angry people on the internet. But anyway, yes, what impressed me is it's clearly had a lot of work put into it. You know, I think it's become a bit of a I know animation is different from CGI, but I think it's become a bit like a hot topic recently about how many studios, Disney probably being the main culprit, are rushing their CGI. So it now looks worse than it did three or four years ago. Yeah. Um, whereas this, I, you could tell none of it had been rushed. Like the animation was perfect. You know, the characters, Bowser, the quality of the animation on Bowser was astoundingly good. Yeah, it just it looked really, really good. I think that's the main thing I would take out of it. Jack Black's yeah. voice, Bowser voice seems very good, but I think that's that's the main thing to take. Out. I think everything else people are reading too much into, uh, as I said, especially the Chris Pratt voice. Um, that's the main thing I think you can take away from it. That's clearly had a ton of work put into it. To, and yeah, polish I... to make it look really good. Yeah, I sort of I feel like this is maybe one of those movies that will like where kind of the meme of making fun of it or like overly criticizing something or critiquing something that is a fun movie, you know, I, that it's not it's not unreasonable to say this is probably going to be geared towards kids like uh, and it, I think there is there's something kind of fun about um, taking that and, and being super critical of it. But then I think people then do that not jokingly or not lightheartedly you know as we were saying like it's fun to look at this and be like oh my gosh that's so ridiculous and you look at the cast and you're like this is so weird and all of that kind of stuff but ultimately as you say it looks like there's been a lot of care and attention put into it and it's not that serious it's a mario movie you yeah. know but i think yeah this is it does show that potential where like i don't know if these people are actually serious or not because why do you care so much you know yes it's fun to be like wow it doesn't he sound so silly oh my god jack black is visor but what why do you why did you make 25 videos about it you know it's no, that people, kind of thing as i said i i don't particularly know well i sort of do but i i don't i still don't understand what people do you just love the dog on chris pratt at the moment mm. uh, and sort of criticize everything about he does but i mean he's proven to be a very solid Hollywood leading man over the past few years. I, you know, 
I can't remember the last Chris Pratt movie. Like, to be fair, I didn't watch some of those Amazon Prime movies, which I heard weren't very good. But yeah. um, I can't remember the last Chris Pratt movie I went to that I wasn't at least entertained. I think he's very solid. And he'll yeah. always have a place in my art because of Parks and Rec. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't have any particular problem with him. Uh, as Mario, I, I, yeah, whatever. It's, it's, it's a good fun time, you know? And like all the actors and the entire cast is, are pretty fun actors as well. You know, always turning pretty good performances. And uh, it feels like a good, just a, just a good time all around. I'm happy to go and see it. I think it'll be a laugh. Um, Elimination, I actually really like as well. Um, yeah. Who are doing yeah. it. They've all been pretty consistent as like a newish movie house or animation studio. Um, everything I've seen of theirs, like I've I've mostly enjoyed. So I'm uh I'm happy to see this. You know, for a for a silly little movie, probably be a fun time. I'll yeah. I'll watch it. You um, mark my words, and this Charlie Day is going to steal the show as Luigi. Almost definitely, yeah. Almost definitely. I don't know how unhinged they're going to make it though, or if it'll actually be a relatively understated Charlie Day performance. It's. Uh... He's, he's played the straight man in some movies. I don't think he'll be doing the straight man here, but he can do play down. I mean, he was a very comedic straight man, but he was the straight man in that movie. Was it Fist Fight? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah, similar in, like, Horrible Bosses as well. He's actually, like, the least crazy one, I think, in that, too. Can't really remember, but, uh, yeah, true. But also, very funny guy, so I don't really, I don't mind what way they do it. And yeah. then we get this spin-off Luigi's Mansion movie. And it's a Charlie Day solo movie. You see, there. I mean, who I was going to say they're bound to be, but who isn't trying to build towards a, a cinematic universe these days? You know, I feel like they're that is bound to already have been put on the table with with a movie like this. What of of all the Mario content that exists? If this if this was great, say it was perfect, right? It's like a really perfect movie. They're they're definitely going to make more. What what Mario property would you want them to make into a movie? Ooh, that's, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> no, this isn't my answer, but it's not. Mario Kart is, is it's much more like uh, it's like uh, Rush, Talladega Night, no, like Talladega <laughs> Night's story. Yeah. Ricky. Don't that you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? <laughs> oh, that would be good. I'd like no, to see I... how they execute a Mario Party movie. I don't know how you would do it. Well, I guess those movies do have plot, actually. Or those games do have plot. So It, it ends with uh, some random crap happening where the person who was in last place the entire time somehow wins and everyone else yeah. is no longer friends. Yeah, it's Birdo again. The worst character in Mario history. I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if we've ever talked about that on the podcast. We played a game of Mario Party once and... Uh, it was three of us playing against against uh, the computer. Like one character was the the CPU, and that character was in last the whole time. It was Birdo. That no, no, it was, was Mario that time. It was, it was Mario Birdo that time. Yeah, it was Birdo, Birdo the, the second, second time. time, but Birdo didn't actually win. We just hit at Birdo. Oh, Birdo okay, played, okay. Played. It was Mario the first time, and Mario was in consistently in last, and then beat us with the the star award, whatever those awards are. Bonus at the stars, end. yeah. Bonus stars, so dumb bad but also maybe the best game ever made 
Yeah, it's because we. It's because it was that. It's the Mario Party on the Wii, which has the the like the monop. It's not Monopoly, but it basically is Monopoly. The Monopoly map, mm-hmm. and like Mario Party on its own and Monopoly on its own are friendship ruiners enough. Crossing them is some yeah. sort of unholy abomination. That's one of the funnest things to do with your friends but it's still an absolute friendship ruiner yeah that like the game developers knew exactly what they were doing nintendo knew what they were doing when they made that map that is and i i has a map like that appeared on a mario party game since i wonder or was it like we can never do this again i think it's the only time because i think when i bought that i did have a switch and could have bought one of the newer mario parties but i think i specifically sought that one out because it was the only one I knew of was having. That's the only the, one worth playing. <laughs> yeah. The Tycoon Town or something. It's something yeah. like that, Tycoon Town. Unreal, uh, but it's so bad for friendships. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, like the, the mechanic literally is built into it when you actively have to screw other people over by investing into the buildings. Yeah, yeah, because you, you also you also take other people's stars as well. Well, that's an yeah. Mario Party game, but yeah that's like that that is the worst one to yeah to actively actively pit you against each other rather than just everybody trying to win it's really it's it's pvp that game yeah 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 Yeah, we got a few other trailers as well since since we last chatted um we'll do the the smaller one first i don't know if you saw this look um did you see the trailer for violent night no i i'm I'm gonna be honest uh we 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 i've I was going to say I'm nerd, but is that the one with David Harbour as Santa yeah. Claus? I watched yeah. Fat Man last year, if that counts. I I don't know what that is. Fat Man is, uh, is another action movie with Santa, but like it's Mel Gibson playing Santa. Oh, okay. Maybe I did see. Maybe I have heard of that. Um, yeah, this trailer, I mean, it, it just popped up as like a, a YouTube ad for me. And I was like, oh, that's David Harbour. So I watched it. Uh, it's like, I guess it, it's... <laughs> It's like Die Hard, but David Harbour is Santa, uh, and he's the real Santa in it. He's not like it's not him playing, you know, like a a mall Santa or whatever. He's he's the real Santa. He's got magic and stuff, uh, and then he, as he's still from presents, basically goes into a house where they're they're holding the family hostage, and then it's and then it's like Die Hard, and it actually looks pretty good. <laughs> it looks really it, yeah. I mean, it looks very like eighties action movie. It re- looks really cheesy. Um, but I, like decent action, it looks really fun. And I I just saw it very randomly, and I actually think it looks good. I like I love Christmas movies generally, but obviously like every year there's hundreds of thousands of attempts to make a new Christmas classic, you know. And I just don't know. I don't know if it's ever really worked. I mean, people like those Christmas Chronicles movies, but I never watched them. Um, Trump so I don't. Probably I, the closest of recent years. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And I think it is maybe the, I, I like I like when a movie like this comes out that it doesn't feel like it's trying to be a classic. It's just like a, a new Christmas movie, you know? And it's it feels like this is just something new to watch at Christmas that is a Christmas movie. When you when you, you don't want to watch something you've seen a million times, you're not you're not in the right mood to watch something classic and you know heartwarming or whatever. It's like let's watch let's watch Violent Night instead. And I, yeah. that's the kind of thing I admire when you're trying to make a, an, any kind of holiday movie, whether it's like Christmas or Halloween or anything like that. Uh, and I, I just, I appreciated that. And I think I will actually watch this when it comes out because, or, or around Christmas time at least, because uh, 
it's a fun way to it's a fun way to spice up the genre when you're looking for Christmas movies too. He's, he's going to beat someone to death with a candy cane, and it that has to happen. Sure, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you see him like sharpening candy canes into into like spikes, and I maybe he stabs someone in the eye. <laughs> potentially, I can't remember. Um, he also he does like a few just chef's kiss Christmas puns in it. I mean, it's called Violent Night for one. I can't remember what they are, but it's uh, maybe best if I don't accidentally spoil them. I'll not. I'll not say them as cool as David Harbour anyway. Uh, so I'll I'll leave that to the to the pros. But it just I, yeah, it, it scratches a sweet spot for me of that really cheesy action um, movie because that's that's my kind of thing. I'd I'd really love it if there was a ho ho ho. I have a machine gun though, but <laughs> that would be good. That would be good. Um, but yeah, that's 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 for Christmas. You know, we're a while away from that. It's the spookiest time of the year now. Look how we didn't really talk about that, but we're in we're into October. We're into the the Halloween season. Do you, are you a Halloween guy? Um, not massively. I quite like Halloween, but I like Halloween when it's actually at Halloween. I mm. I have to now. I don't get this thing recently of Halloween becoming like an all month thing, like Christmas. I'm not yeah. gonna. I'm not going to rain on, well, I guess I kind of am. I'm not going to rain on the parade of people who want to do it because I get people really enjoy it. I just, I I don't really get it. I've never seen it as a big enough thing for it to be a whole month thing. Yeah. I, I kind of, as I say, I enjoy it when I get to it, but like once we're, I'm usually more excited to get past it because, like, that's when you can start maybe doing some Christmas stuff and have a big Christmas <laughs> guy. I, maybe you can be, maybe you, maybe you think you are, but I think it's hard to be both a big Christmas person or a big Halloween person. I think you're usually one or the other. Oh no, absolutely! I'm definitely a, a Christmas guy more than a Halloween guy, um, and I, I like the summer as well. But Halloween is always I'm like. Meh. And you know, people who like claim that autumn is their favorite favorite season as well. You're just lying to yourself. You know, all you like is pumpkin spice latte, which just means you like cinnamon, which is a Christmassy thing. So yeah, you're like you're you're lying. You are lying really, if you think it's your favorite season. It's not, and it's okay to be wrong. But you but you're wrong. Yeah, I really like pumpkin spice, but I see I, I didn't have it for the first time until last year. Uh, but yeah. like my first instinct was that these are Christmas flavors because it's yeah. like the two Christmas flavors, me and Christmas flavors, two things that mainly give Christmas you Christmassy vibes when you eat something or for sweet foods, it's nutmeg and nutmeg is, is, is in pumpkin spice latte, as you say, for savory foods, it's sage. Yeah. And like the, the, the pumpkin spices are just effectively the same spices that go in like a mulled wine or a mulled cider or anything. It's, nope, it's nope. mostly the same thing. I'll tell you what, it's nearly exactly the same as they switch over almost instantly as soon as Halloween's uh, <laughs> over is they'll start doing the gingerbread lot. Ginger, um, yeah. <laughs> I imagine they have a little bit of gingerbread into them, but they've taken the gingerbread flavoring and the pumpkin spice flavoring at most places taste very similar. Yeah, they just, it's, you know, <laughs> November November first, they just they take the label off the pumpkin spice and just stick a gingerbread spice label over it. Then it jumps on. That's you set for the rest of the year. Uh, yeah, I, I I gotta say that if that's your favorite thing about autumn, 
boy oh boy you're gonna love christmas it's it feels very like you've just you just happened to have pumpkin spice before you had anything christmasy like you just had that that was your first introduction to like a ginger and cinnamony drink and then uh and you just assume it's it's a an autumnal thing rather than a, a christmasy thing Listen, again that- not to rain on their parade i guess yeah you really you held back and then i really did rain on on their parade <laughs> i don't hate halloween i like halloween a lot but as you say i like it on the day mostly i like dressing up though that's the thing i love a dress up party we've yeah we both kind of said this before i'm not sure if it was on the podcast or not but gotta love i love a dress up party i love a theme party anything like that is such a fun time because yeah. i i love to come up with this with a fun idea and i really love seeing what anyone else comes up with whether it's an original idea or like an absolute classic and or a really well executed costume i love that so you like picking something that is just just a, any any character from a movie or, or anything like that but someone who just executes it perfectly it's crazy like i don't know if you've ever seen him um, the weekend but he i don't know if he still does but he, he used to for halloween a lot Um, he would really go like above and beyond for halloween and every character he would look almost exactly like them he did jack nicholson's joker once and he just looked exactly like the joker it was crazy uh, but yeah, any anything like that, like I love seeing how people pull off costumes too. Uh, yeah. I think that's that's the best bit about Halloween, really. Yeah, but now the problem with that is that Halloween has a monopoly on a fancy dress. Like it's, I think because of Halloween, it's harder to organize a fancy dress party any other mm-hmm. time of the year. People don't really want to do it yeah true or maybe i'm looking at the wrong way maybe it's actually like halloween's the only reason that some people will do fancy dress parties and if halloween didn't exist they would never do fancy dress parties i think that i think it's maybe more so that because see like the one time you do have a a theme party or a fancy dress party in the summer it that's it that's that's the game changer because it's just so much easier the costume ideas just go above and beyond when it's you don't have to account for the fact that it's going to be freezing all night as well or when you could like oh and we could go outside you know like adding that in as a as an option just makes it so much easier and so much better and then you realize like oh wow halloween is really kind of just okay in terms of costumes see when you've got the the whole year ahead of you you can do you can do so much the opportunities are endless you have to take into account not being cold when you do your Halloween costume. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, just, I mean, just when you're going out generally, but especially when you want to do a costume like. Yeah, people have never seen my Baywatch costume because it's just too cold at Halloween. I know it's a shame. It's a shame. That's the only reason. Uh, but yeah. we can dream. I mean, we I would tough dream. it out, but you know, shrinkage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a shame. <laughs> you go as Pamela Anderson, don't you? Yeah, one piece. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I tell you what, yeah, some people they would say my man boobs are big enough to pull it off. True. True. Yeah, those people would be mean. Those people. <laughs> uh, those people are cruel. Look, don't listen to them. Oh dear. Anyway, moving that, on. That, actually, I was just thinking if people have never seen, I, I assume most of the listeners know what I look like. In an audio format, that joke maybe doesn't land as well. Yeah, <laughs> but listen, trust us. We're we're it's all in it's all love here. It's all love here. 
Um, news, we got distracted by Halloween and we went on a rant about Christmas. Uh, <laughs> the other big, we had some big Marvel news then this week um, or in the last couple of weeks. There was a, a Black Panther trailer, a Wakanda Forever trailer, uh, which we got a few more details in and we got a look at the new Black Panther. Did you see this look? Um, did I? Was that the cinema of last Friday? And mm. uh, I got like the whole theater to myself. That was just that. Oh, you bought every else. ticket? Wow. Well. Yeah, yeah, no. I, yeah, if I was rich, that's maybe something that, well, I'd say if I was rich, I would just have my a cinema, a theater monetized. Anyway, not important. Uh, <laughs> did I see the trailer? Um... If not, you're bound to have seen stuff from it because it was a, a bit of a big deal. I can't. I honestly can't remember. Uh, well, uh, we got to look at the the new Black Panther. Um, still, I guess not a not a full reveal as to who it was, unless unless it was revealed separately. It looks like it's Shuri, um, as the the new Black Panther. At least looking at the suit and stuff. But I don't know if that was actually confirmed or if no. that was just what everyone's going with. But um, it's never. It's not been confirmed yet. It's not been confirmed. Uh, but that's that's who it looks like it's it's going to be. But it could again. No actual details in the trailer, as I say. You don't see anything particularly happen. Um, so I think there's there's potential for this to be a misdirect like Marvel loves to do. I don't know why. It's just I think it's maybe just because I like my theory of like having the multiple Black Panthers. <laughs> and I I just I'm holding out for that to be true. Uh, but I don't mind the the new set, it looks really, really cool too. Um we got more looks at uh, Namor as well, which looks it looks really good, man. This movie yeah. looks like it's going to be really good. Um, it's so direct. Is she going to be in it? Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's a goofy episode today, man. This is a goofy yep, episode. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yucking it up over there. Um, Gosh. Yeah, so as I was saying, I was trying to give a real review of this look. It looks good, all right? I'm, listen, I'm not saying anything anyone hasn't said already. Uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I think it looks like it's going to be really good, um, which is great because so many of those characters are really good, and it it's it would be nice to see them done justice in in this follow up. Um, so yeah, I, I'm excited to see this. Kendrick Lamar is doing, uh, or was was on the the song for the trailer, so I, I think he's doing the album again. If not, maybe a, maybe it's a few different artists and stuff. But that was definitely a highlight of the first movie for me. So um, hopefully, there's that same like care and attention put into the the soundtrack for this movie but yeah from the trailer and stuff sounds very good it looks like that same um same level of, of love is put into this which i i'm very excited for um but that's blown out of the water by what we really want to talk about which is the uh the announcement for deadpool 3 um now we've known for a while that deadpool was gonna get a movie in the mcu i think the first of the uh the the Fox X Men characters to be getting a a movie well definitely is the first but um little appearances and things uh I, we can spoil Multiverse of Madness I think at this point it's not it's been long enough um so we've seen we've seen some X Men things um cropping up but this is the first kind of it is the same character uh, appearance which is pretty exciting but the the big news we got is that none other than Hugh Jackman, as we talked about earlier on the show as well, uh, Hugh Jackman is going to be reprising his role as Wolverine in Deadpool 3. 
uh, with Ryan Reynolds. I'm I'm very excited about that. Look, um, yeah, I, I want to talk about it though. What, where where do you land on this? What do you think about it? Well, it's sort of um, it's like uh, I have two feelings on it. Um, one is uh, I sort of do feel like um, Logan was the perfect capstone for uh, Wolverine's time for Hugh Jackman's time as Wolverine and I think it was a good place for the character to end and probably should have been the last appearance however that, that's not my final statement this is, this is my second feeling on it was <laughs> I always wanted a Deadpool and Wolverine movie and whilst as I said Logan should have been probably the last appearance of Wolverine we should still be getting this movie like my complaint is that this movie should have happened before that, not that this movie shouldn't have happened. That, yeah. however, is a very minor complaint and is much more outweighed by both my excitement for a third Deadpool movie and finally getting a Deadpool and Wolverine movie. I'm now to complete uh, my fantasy list of Deadpool movies. We just need to get the Deadpool and Spider-Man movie because that's one of my favourite duos from Marvel Comics. Yeah, same, same for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I... I think Logan, as you say, is a perfect send-off for Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Um, but it, I mean, it's still going to live in my head as the send-off for Hugh Jackman yeah. as Wolverine, you know? So I, I yes. don't, that, that is like a very, just a, a very tiny problem that kind of, it rears its head and then you go, but actually, I don't mind that much because I'm so excited to see this. <laughs> so yeah. that's, you know, it, it yeah, as you say, maybe it would have been better had we got this movie earlier and then and then Logan would have been this uh, really incredible send-off. But I don't mind, you know? It's yeah. it's it's the same with comics, and, and I think this is the way that comic book movies are going at this point. Characters come and go, and they're in good stories and they're in bad stories, and the uh, comics will vary wildly in style and genre and tone. Literally, like, from just depending on what you're reading, even if it's the exact same character, they will be completely different in certain stories. And I think that's kind of the way these movies are going. Like obviously we want consistency in some aspects, but there are things, I think DC have done it very well recently, where it's like, yeah, this is the same character, but it's not really, you know? <laughs> and I think this is the same where you go, Logan is uh, its own thing. Deadpool is very much its own thing, you know, um, in terms of canon and how it interacts with, the, it already interacted with the X-Men universe in a very weird way. Uh, so I think introducing that into the MCU isn't going to be this massive change or or particularly concrete canon because I don't think that character needs it. Uh, and I like that. I like that the comic bookiness of the Deadpool universe. I think it really it lends itself to that um, that character and stuff. It it feels very comic booky, and that's uh, that's one of my favorite things. So I am I'm super excited about this. What would you like to see them get up to? Um, I think they got a fight. I, I killed mutant villain. Possibly, uh, if you bring back multiple uh, X Men universe characters, most then it has to be um, oh, I blanked on his name, but I think Saber Tiff would be quite funny opposite them. <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> um, yeah, I I can Mo-Dog. see that. Modok would be good. I think we there was something about Modok recently in the MCU. Some some kind of announcement. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, 
but I would de- oh, I would definitely see a Modoc. That would be very fun. Yeah, a a, a real classic. A real cla- uh, Mr. Sinister is like a real classic, but I don't know if that's but actually, a bit you know boring potentially. This is the sort of um, movie where I think a sort of actor can do both like serious and comedy would be really good as the villain, like Colin Farrell playing the villain or something, or Pedro Pascal or Brendan mm. Gleeson. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. That's those are all great picks. <laughs> I'd I'd see any or or all of those. Maybe it's three villains. Maybe yeah, they're a villainous team. Um. Oh, I would definitely see. I would watch any of that. But yeah, I don't know. I wonder. I mean, we know nothing about this. I wonder how like MCU heavy it's gonna be. I can't imagine again just because it's Deadpool. I doubt it's gonna do too much to the canon of the universe just because. I don't think Marvel need to risk that and I don't think they want to. Um, but I I'm I still am excited to see what they do with it, even just in terms of like will there be any overlap, how they're gonna address it. I don't know if like you need Deadpool to be too on the nose either about it. Like yeah. if you need to have him going around all the famous MCU locations or anything like that. I don't think we necessarily need that. But yeah, I think there's definitely a, a really fun way to use to actually make use of the fact that it's in the mcu now you know uh I yeah. think there's definitely there's fun there's fun ways to go about that so i'm yeah. i'm excited man it's, it's not like some offense to the grand narrative that much really um, yeah. my my other big hope is just that domino's back because i love domino's character yeah that's, uh, that's what i was gonna say i really love all of those like x-force effectively characters yeah. um domino's great uh cable is great obviously you've yeah. got plenty of jokes there <laughs> if josh brolin comes back as cable um you know that's that's an endless mcu joke well yeah. there so I, don't... Um, I like all those characters the taxi driver character all of them bring them all back yeah i don't really mind if cable's back or not i think it's probably unlikely i like this character but it really didn't seem like josh brolin sort of thing i think mm. Did he mention something about that? He, it was more some lot of a not a quid pro quo, but he said something about like doing it, gave him the freedom to do Thanos. It was something weird like that. I'm not he, sure. He Maybe viewed, though. He viewed Thanos more as his crowning achievement in superhero films rather than Kiev also. Who knows? That's, it didn't, that's I, understandable. You, you can go back. <laughs> You can go back and read it. Maybe I'm misremembering it or I didn't get the... Or I took the wrong meaning out of what he said, but it certainly didn't seem like it was his yeah. thing. Fair enough. I mean, that's that's very fair. Um, I Yeah, I, I think... Um, I don't know. Just looking at like interviews and stuff, it could just be that he uh, liked Ryan Reynolds and did it for that reason because they seem to, to get on well. I mean, I don't know if anyone doesn't get on well with Ryan Reynolds, though. But yes, I suppose... If you have like Cable and Deadpool as that dynamic, and then you introduce Wolverine as well as like largely the same dynamic, it's maybe a, a little bit weird. But yeah, well, listen, I I dead. trust them in what they've put out so far. I'm I'm pretty happy with uh with this lineup to to keep going because Deadpool hasn't made any mistakes yet, so I'm happy with that. It's it sort of worked in um uh <laughs> Deadpool game because basically all of Deadpool's supporting characters like Wolverine and stuff were in it apart from Spider-Man and basically they had to keep checking on to make sure he wasn't messing everything up. Um, yeah. Rogue, Rogue and Psylocke, I was just checking because I knew there was some other 
um, X-Men characters apart from Domino and Wolverine and Rogue and Psylocke would be quite cool if they showed up. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they, tend, they be... tend to show up in Deadpool stories quite a lot. Right. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, yeah. It's that. De- I suppose this is this is another opportunity to like bring some X-Men characters into the MCU, you know, in, in a slightly more subtle way. Uh, especially if they don't want to do any any really heavy hitters yet. Um, you can use you can use as many weird characters as you want in a Deadpool movie. You know, you can use all those bizarre, obscure X-Men characters and, and fire them in. Uh, so I could I could see any of that happening. But yeah, it's it's definitely exciting. Yeah. And now, there'll be so many X-Men Origins of Wolverine jokes. Oh, so many. That's all I'm that's all I want. <laughs> uh now one one defining feature that both Deadpool and Wolverine have is uh, their their ability to not die, <laughs> their their regenerative ability. And it's also it's Halloween, it's the spooky time of the year. Uh, and around this time of the year, the the spirits from beyond do tend to come back and creep their way into into our world, whether that's ghosts or ghouls or zombies. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about characters that have died and come back uh, in movies, TV, any kind of pop culture stuff, uh, characters that have come back to life. Um, look, just as, as like a general trope of people dying and coming back, what, where do you land on it? Because I've got some thoughts. Um, I think it's somewhat overused. Um, I don't think that's an unfair statement. It's just uh, sort of, the, I think the problem with it is it, it's kind of like having your cake and eating it in some situations. You know, yeah. you want to have the emotional impact of your audience on killing off a main character, but you also don't want to deal with the consequences of killing off a main character. Yeah. Uh, some cases, I think it works really well. Um, De- Deadpool and Wolverine is obviously just part of their character, so it's a little different. I was thinking maybe more like Superman. I think Superman is the worst case of it across any medium. Uh, the death of Superman storyline. Uh, I know it's a good storyline. I think it's just the. It, if you're talking about it being as a literary device, having your cake and eating it, as I said, that's the worst example because they wanted to use it to shift comics by advertising the death of Superman. Uh, yeah, when they so well had no intention of ever <laughs> killing them off. No, I, like, I will. I will say, the, it, the comic book version of, of Death of Superman, I don't think is too egregious because Superman did stay dead for a reasonable length of time in the comics, and there were like uh, multiple attempts to replace Superman. There were at one point there were like four Supermen. Uh, that was like a, a story arc for a while um, of these like replacements for Superman whenever he was dead. Uh, so I think that at the very least deserves some credit because that just that would not happen now um, in anything. And I think a, a perfect parallel to that is the death of Superman storyline in the movies, um, where if you look at the at Batman versus Superman and then Justice League, the next movie that has Superman in it. Well, not even in the next movie. He's alive at the end of Batman versus Superman. He never really dies. You get a hit and still being alive instantly. <laughs> Uh, so I think that is one where there's also like the reason there's no real reason for him to die in Batman versus Superman. Like there, I said, yes, I, you know, he's, he's, he kills Doomsday and uses the kryptonite or whatever, but 
it doesn't really need to be him there's like there's all these other superheroes again in in death of superman in the comics it's because doomsday is sent to destroy superman and no one else can stop doomsday apart from superman and the only way for him to do that is by sacrificing himself but in batman versus superman like wonder woman's there she's having she's having a great time she can she can use kryptonite perfectly fine she can make an attempt to to kill doomsday at least try <laughs> i don't know it's, yeah it's already the fact that he doesn't really die for a very good reason initially only to be brought back instantly and it's character we've only known for one movie before that as well it's like wh- why are they rushing through all of these plot lines they're, they in that movie sorry there's a batman versus superman rant now um in that movie they do they do dark knight returns which is the the storyline in which batman and superman fight i mean they fought before but they do dark knight returns they try to do they try to establish the justice league as well and they try to do death of superman now those are i mean the justice league as a whole that's an entire like and it like creating the avengers or something like but those three uh death of superman and dark knight returns are quite possibly the two most famous and biggest storylines that dc has across the board and they're like we can probably do both of those in one movie that is also a justice league movie (laughs) i don't know where i don't know why they think that and also, this can be our first introduction of Batman as well. This can be the first time we've seen Batman, the second time we've seen Superman, and we can definitely have them fight and Superman die. Yeah, I reckon if they had, if they'd given Zack Snyder another R, he might have tried his hand at the killing joke. <laughs> oh, Probably, yeah, because we just... get a nod to, we get a nod to, um, well, not the killing joke, but to, to uh the joker and um jason todd in that as well in in that story yeah. it's just rigged and then they're like and and then we'll create the justice league without superman while superman is dead that's when we'll make the justice league perfect this is exactly this is how this is how comics works yeah uh, no, I... but then that does lead me into um what i think is a great example of someone coming back from the dead and that is jason todd uh jason todd robin coming back yeah. um that 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 storyline is kind of good i i really like so the reason he died was because it was a a fan vote you could like you could phone in to vote on whether robin should die in the next issue or not um of the the comics this is uh and yeah it it ended up being voted for that he would die uh and then he returns as the red hood which i think is great i think that's a really good way to to bring someone back um i think that has set the precedent for a lot of like back a, a hero returns to life but is evil which is a kind of a, a classic now as well but i i, I love the robin character and i really love the red hood character so i i, I really like that yeah i to be fair i was gonna say as soon as you mentioned that my head went yes that's an example of it done well and as you say it is not a trope but the reality is dying and coming back to life should be a hugely traumatic experience <laughs> for the character yeah one would assume yeah, it's probably going through a lot. Yeah, they should be different when they come back to life. It doesn't necessarily always have to change them quite so violently as Jason Todd into the Red Hood, but yeah. it should change them. I was also just thinking about that phone story I'd heard. I'd obviously read about it before, but it just always makes me think. I've read like some big history of comic uh, books before. I've, I've read one for both Marvel and DC. And the clear thing is, some of the best ever comics 
and comic storylines were produced in sort of the 80s, 90s, once the comics. But I don't think it's that the comics was gone. I think it just got a lot looser. Yeah, it, it, the, it became effectively like useless. No one really needed to use it anymore. Yeah. It was getting, it had like an iron hold on all comics and it was ridiculous. And then they were like, yeah. let's just not do this anymore. Yeah, so about the time that happened, that led to some of the best comics and comic storylines ever made. Yeah. It also led to some genuinely the worst moments <laughs> ever. I'm not even going to say comics, just some of the worst fiction choices <laughs> and stories ever. Oof. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think that's a great example um, of bringing that character back. It also is, yeah, it's good, as you say, a character dying for one that's going through quite a lot bringing being brought back to life then also going through quite a lot it's understandable that that a character would go through a change then when they they come back and i think the the red hood is a great example of that in that they change but it's also like it's it's kind of believable that like yes yes their psyche has been a bit broken by what they've gone through that's that makes perfect sense so maybe they're not you know they're not all together there uh, mentally but Jason Todd has very good reasons for becoming the Red Hood and for having the outlook he has um, I, I think is really good because obviously uh, I, is, is it a, I think you can spoil the Red Hood storyline totally uh, but this idea that because Batman doesn't kill anyone including the Joker like the worst person and his arch rival that it then ultimately resulted in Jason Todd's death and it's that kind of thing of like you would rather I died than kill this guy who is evil kind of thing is his outlook on it and you can totally get that and then it makes uh, his actions seem like yes uh, he is a very broken man but it makes sense and that character is then a very different person when he comes back and I just love that I just yeah. think it's a really good way to uh, to have someone return Sorry, I just imagine you said that that conversation between uh, Red Hood and Batman. Batman answers just like the Chad meme of him just going, yes. Yes. <laughs> but, but that's why it's so well written because it's character yeah. development, not just for Jason Todd. You know, it's it's interesting for the other characters around him because, you know, I feel like I can't really remember the story. I assume Batman felt guilty about <laughs> Superman dying in Batman versus Superman, but bringing him back to life essentially absolved him of yes, his guilt exactly. and responsibility. Whereas, you know, uh, Jason Todd coming back to life. In a, there's in sort a, of in there's like there's an inherent like world building to uh, yeah. to that whole arc, which I think is cool. As opposed to yes, as you say, bringing Superman back is more like a reset than a development. I yeah, think exactly um, and yeah. And in some ways, it makes Batman more accountable and more guilty about what he did. You know, yeah. he he's forced to face the consequences of his actions. And I mm -hmm. should say that in the story, Batman does feel awful about Jason <laughs> Todd dying. I mean, basically, all the Robins are essentially his adopted sons. Yeah. Apart from the one who's actually a son, who's actually the furthest from being his son at points. <laughs> Apart from the worst one, who's his real yeah. son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you, you get what I mean. You know, it, it, it forced Batman to be accountable for his actions. I yeah. think some of his interesting stories uh, concerning Batman's are the ones where, you know, he, he has ultimately faced with the 
moral dilemmas and the guilt that result from his career as a crime fighter because he, he and again I think that's why he continues to be one of the most interesting uh, comic book characters it's, mm. it's shades of grey it's not just he is a black and white good guy he is you know there's in between areas he should in theory kill his villains because that would save lives he doesn't he sees yeah. that as a good thing but you know it doesn't take much reframing morally for that to actually be seen as an abhorrent action you know uh, it's like Jason Todd said you know how many people have to die before you finally end mm. the Joker yeah yeah exactly oh it's good that's just good that's just good comics man but uh, we spent too much time on comics all right get out of here nerds it's time. <laughs> let's talk about characters that people know um yeah movies and, and tv and stuff uh this actually is i think my first memory of being like um of my first like nerd rage being like mad at something in a movie um in that very nerdy way and this is um in Pirates of the Caribbean 2, the, the kind of end sequence of that when Captain Barbosa returns. Uh, oh, and I, I I love this return now. I, I really like it. But at the time I remember, I think it's probably my first exposure to like a, a character dying and coming back, but it's my first memory of having that nerd like, but he was dead. You can't just bring him back. That's so unjustified. <laughs> Uh, yeah. like like being mad that they didn't really explain properly why he came back to life now of course what's funny about that to me is that now it's the opposite now it's i could absolutely believe bring any character back to life if you want to make a movie now you better prove that your character is dead when you kill them or else we will assume they're coming back <laughs> like that's what movies especially like especially comic book movies but movies generally any anything that's a series if your character is not like seen bleeding out or is absolutely eviscerated everyone is like well they're coming back if you if your character falls down a well that character's coming back <laughs> like it, it's just so funny that now it's the opposite now you have to prove a character's dead rather than explain why they came back it, anyone's like yes yeah, it's, it's magic or they they never really died whatever it doesn't no one cares but it's, I, I find it funny that I saw this and I was like, but how did he come back? That's not fair to not explain that. I, I, yeah, I, I love like that. that so much. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I love it. But I love those movies as well. I talked about this a while ago, but Pirates of the Caribbean, man, I, I really like those films. I think they're so good. The first three, uh, I, just, I, I need to preface that every time. I'm talking about the first three. Those are the real ones. But I, I love those movies, man. But yeah, I think Barbosa is a great. He's like, he's the real pirate of those movies, you know. Uh, everyone else is kind of, they're a pirate, but and they've got like a a, a quirky extra trait, you know. But Barbosa is like, you're just you're just the piratiest pirate that ever pirated, you know. <laughs> and I love it so good. Yeah. No, I, it's I can't really put into words why movies like. Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm not even sure there's any other movies like Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm holding it to a different standard than comic books, but the truth mm. is, they just are. It, it maybe it's because they're so cheeky about it. They're yeah, very, yeah. very cheeky movies. They're so cheeky and brazen about it. It's like it's almost you know they're almost doing it with a wink to the camera. You're like, yeah, well, I can't be annoyed at that. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a bit to me. I I think it's. A bit the mummy esque uh, kind of would yeah. be the, a similar one that I could think of. 
uh, where yeah, it's like I don't know magic or whatever, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Just like come on, you just you should just be happy he's back. Who cares about why? This is a ridiculous nonsense world. Like no one's yeah. there's there's also it, it, yeah within that universe there's like there's already several different afterlives that you're that you can go to as a sealer. You can like. You can join GV GV Jones crew. There's also like the undead pirates. There is like a did they do was Blackbeard's ship also something to do with dying as well or something or was that the the most recent one? Was it Salazar's Revenge? Oh, I don't know. I think Salazar was, about dying. was dead. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think Blackbeard pirates. was using evil magic, but I don't think his crew were undead or anything. No. I, I, I but it was the fountain. They were looking for the fountain of youth, though, so they were trying to not die. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. you know, in terms of dying in the Pirates of the Caribbean universe, it's gotten kind of, it's gotten a little out of hand, and I don't, I don't mind. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I like that. Barbosa is just a great character, and it was worth bringing him back for. Uh, absolutely, really, that's a, that's a fun time. Um, but yeah, it, as I was kind of thinking about this and trying to make this list, I realized just just how many characters do get brought back to life and how it's kind of, it's really like, it's in a lot of heroes' journeys to just die. That's the conflict. It's just the hero dies and then comes back to life. But uh, do you have any like favorites that you that you like or least favorites ones you want to talk about? Uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about like a more general one. Mm. Um, it's something I don't like. It's kind of a, I guess it's kind of a trope. I wouldn't know what you would call it, but it's definitely happened in a few movies where, like, the character, I said, inverted commas, dies. Uh, they don't actually really die. It's not quite the same as being brought back to life, but they die and they go to some magical place where one of them in universe magical characters is there and they have a conversation and they like walk out a door or something and then they like gasp a breath yeah. and wake up. It definitely happens. I'm nearly certain it happens in Lord of the Rings. Um yeah, maybe. I can't think I of something head. It's it it's Harry Potter is like the big one uh that springs to mind for me. It's, it's Harry Potter, it's Transformers 2. Uh <laughs> Yeah, all of these movies, but yes, you're absolutely right. That is that's kind of the one what I was getting at there of like the the hero's death and and return, and it's yeah, within yeah. five minutes of it happening. It's that like it's that inconsequential sacrifice, you know. Yeah, there's there's zero tension or suspension in it because you just know they're going to come back to life. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I, I really like Harry Potter, but you know, I, I I didn't at any point think, oh, he's dead. Like, I had read the book before that, so I knew he wasn't dead, but I don't. I imagine when I read the book, I was also like, well, he's not dead, is he? He's still like, yeah, yeah. Quite a lot of the book left. Yeah. Um, I think Alex Harry Potter sort of gets book. away with it. Harry Potter, I think, sort of gets away with it because it's, I guess, in a way, it's sort of the point, you know, kind of yeah. thing where it's like, yeah, that's that's fine. But it, it is, and again, because that happens at the end of a very long series of, of books and films, it's, again, there's just more payoff to him even almost dying it's like okay yeah. cool and i think it's more that thing of for me the sacrifice is kind of paid off because even though yeah i think any anyone with a decent understanding of story is like he's not actually gonna die but you still believe that he was ready to die like he was prepared to sacrifice himself and i think that works compared to yes. like the in it's you know it's one movie there's no there's not there's not seven or or 
uh, however many um, stories building up to it. It's it's all in one movie, and it's just the hero jumps in front of the gun at the end or whatever, gets shot, and and they're dead, but they're just instantly not dead. You know that bit, like that, that kind of death, and that's the Transformers so, too. I'm talking about. <laughs> it's so funny when that happens in White Chicks. I need to rewatch that movie, <laughs> but it's so funny in White Chicks. Yeah. I can't remember why it's funny. I just remember that bit is really funny. Yeah. Um, Actually, that reminds me, I can't even remember what film it was. It's so funny. Someone does that, like, uh, diving in front of the bullet at the end to save their friend uh, thing, and they just completely miss it, and the bullet hits the guy it was used for. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, yeah. See, that's the thing. Like, you know that's a, a massive trope whenever, like, the the best memories of it are parodies of it. Do you know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, that's that, that's always funny. Um, yeah, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to think of more. I think because it is, it's actually very common that it's now like they're all blurred into one. But yes, I know exactly the shot you're talking about of that that close up of the the eyes or maybe the face, and you see the eyes open and then them <gasps> gasp for breath. Like that's incredibly famous. That shot you can see it any number of times from yeah characters that have died but absolutely have not died. So yeah, that that definitely. I think that is a it's a bit of a lazy way to like show that your hero is good and and willing to sacrifice. I feel like if you can't, if you haven't already established that in the story until the end, it's a bit, it's kind of too little too late to be like, oh, but they would have, oh. but they were going to die. Also, there's like an 80% chance the magical character that figure they talk to will be dressed all in white. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I will uh, say to be fair, I was thinking about that Harry Potter one. I do remember thinking, at the time, I, I think it's still the same way to bring someone back to life. But do you actually remember the conversation with Dumbledore was quite cool. But that was more yeah, just I because think it's it was a cool getting scene. to talk to Dumbledore, who had obviously died in the last film. Mm. It was cool because of that. It wasn't cool because they brought him back to life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, and there's like, that's a fun, fun scene to play out. And like, it's cool to see that closure of those characters and stuff. Because obviously, like, I think Dumbledore's death in Harry Potter is a very... I, I think it's a really good death, actually, but it's good in, like, uh, a storytelling sense because um, it's a really horrible death because it's very, like, not understated, but it, it's very abrupt and it just happens and it's, like, boom, there's no, there's not this great swell. He doesn't, and it, it is very pointless. Like, he doesn't really die for any reason. He doesn't die in the big fight against Voldemort, in, you know, uh, however many movies previously. Like, it's not that he dies for really no reason you know um and i i think that's really sad and like very poignant uh for for that story but then i think that's nice then that you have that that closure following it with that conversation i think that's good i think that's good storytelling yeah um, also to be fair it's it's kind of harsh to be like too well i can't i was just gonna say harsh again sounds but anyway it, it's it's mean, there we go, it's mean to be too harsh on the last few Harry Potter movies for, uh, for deaths, cause, just because they brought one character back, because to be fair, they did kill a lot of characters off in the last few movies. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, they only brought one back, and he never really died, so that's fine. Yeah, um, yeah so if that's, if that's one trope of the, the hero, the, the false sacrifice, we'll call that, um, another one that I would like to talk about is the uh, strike me down and i will become more powerful than you could ever imagine 
um, these deaths. Uh, Gandalf springs to mind for this. Uh, I suppose Gandalf's, Gandalf never actually dies in story, but from, from the reader or, or viewer's perspective, he dies and then returns stronger. Um, Some of the Gandalf lore is absolutely hilarious. Oh, J.R. didn't put ceilings on so many of his characters' <laughs> bars. Like, yeah. If you read it, Gandalf is essentially a low-level god. Like, not yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an... He is essentially a low-level god. Yeah, his the because Gandalf isn't a, a human. Um, he his like species or or race or are basically the Middle Earth equivalent of angels, uh, yeah. give or give or take. You know, um, as I said, it's, it's vague, but yeah, as you said, like a low-level god or an angel is basically what Gandalf is. That's what those uh, I forget what they're called. Um, and I'm never gonna remember. So. Lord of the Rings nerds don't don't at me, <laughs> but yeah, he's basically the angel. Hmm? Was it in the Silmarillion? Some of the Gandalf lore? I can't remember. I assume so. I don't know. It's all Lord it's the... all somewhere. It's in some of these things, <laughs> but Lord I don't of know. The lore is a nightmare. It is. It's so like it's all over the place, and some of it is stories, and then it's like I don't know if Tolkien even means you for to take these seriously because he writes them like in this scholarly way like he he actually establishes in the books that it's like this is this so the the lord of the rings books are or the hobbit books maybe can't remember maybe all of them are meant to be a translation of books that already existed and were written in the the language of the hobbits and then it's as if uh tolkien found these books and translated them to english is like the idea behind those books which is bonkers yeah yeah i should <laughs> then, say they're all they're all technically brilliant books. I've not read them all, uh, but yeah, like yeah. the Hobbit is by far and away the easiest one to read. They get because yes. it was the first one. They all get so much harder to read after the bananas. Hobbit. Yeah, and then Tolkien's like, okay, now I've shown I can do it. I'm gonna make this the wildest shit you've ever seen, and I I like that. But it is it's difficult if you want to get into lore for Lord of the Rings. I don't. I just avoid it. I like. I, I learn things just from other people. Like it's very much that Lord of the Rings for me is to learn through osmosis, not to try and actively learn because I can't. I don't want to. Yeah. I sort of need someone else to explain Lord of yeah. the Rings to me, whether that's the movies or someone online. It's the same way. Uh Viking mythology is actually quite similar to how Viking mythology was written because it was done in the forms of poems and sagas rather than mm. stories like uh, Greek mythology was Greek mythology is like really easy to learn but yeah. like um that's not it's, or it's not easy to learn it's just it's, it's more on greek mythology. there is a lot of greek mythology anyway but it's, it's, it's owned greek mythology there look nice yeah. no yes yeah, sorry the lord <laughs> of the rings mythology it's it's kind of like how viking mythology was recorded because it was done in the format of poems and sagas so you actually need to have <laughs> Okay, yeah, I mean, Lord of the Rings isn't as complicated as that. You actually need someone else to explain Viking yeah, mythology what it is. who has studied it and understood it. Because if you went and read a Viking saga or mm. poem, you would find it very difficult to understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. I actually did. Like, there was, I mean, it was in a TikTok, but um, talking about uh, some, some Norse mythology, and it was like, they explained it at the start and then read the poem and you're like, oh, okay, that's what it's about. But then I, I went back and just read the poem on its own, trying, literally trying to do that. I was like, if they had not explained this before, this is just nonsense. The whole thing is like, 
I what the hell is this but yeah when they like explain it it's like oh okay that's actually quite a cool you know that's a fun story um but yes I talking about the character deaths then um I can't think of what other ones there are but that yeah this idea that um characters getting getting stronger in their resurrection uh Gandalf yeah coming back as from Gandalf the Grey to Gandalf the White uh but that is definitely a big one I'll, I'll, uh, Optimus I'll Prime comes back but has jet parts <laughs> uh, that's also in Transformers 2 wow <laughs> I, I didn't even watch Transformers 2 recently I don't know why it's on my brain I, I would find it hard I feel like I've, I've watched it at some point I was going to talk about it like I haven't seen it I probably actually have seen it and in a movie that's essentially about toys admittedly kill toys I would find it really hard to care if they make narratively creatively bankrupt choices like just bringing Optimus Prime back I was like well I guess yeah I mean it's just a giant metal talking truck why wouldn't he come back yeah yeah <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna offer you a controversial one I like that they brought back Mer- um not Merlin sorry Merlin definitely isn't coming back I like that they brought I blank on his name I think it's Harry I like that they brought Harry back and Kingsman Oh yes, uh, I I feel like it's Harry. I can't remember. Um, I was trying to remember his code name because they all have, uh, code names the yeah. knights, but I couldn't remember. I I liked that he came back, and I and I don't mind. I don't really mind the justification. It's silly, like it's a silly comicy world, and again, I'm fine with all of that. I just don't like the implication that it has for the universe that you can survive a gunshot to the head that's the only thing i don't like is because from that point on i'm like well no one can die then no one in this universe can die if you get a bullet through the brain and survive you know i like any anything else i i don't i really don't mind the yeah if, if it was like I feel like it should have been explained more vaguely and I actually would have been fine with it is that it specifically introduces this little patch that you just pop on someone's brain and then, yeah, after a while, they're just fine again, even though they've been shot in the head. <laughs> that, yeah. was my, that was my only problem with it. I actually, bringing the character back is fine. And I think, honestly, yeah, don't, don't bother explaining it. Just be like, it was a big surgery and different new devices and medicines, you know, like be vague and just do the parts of the caribbean it was magic or something you know <laughs> that's yeah. i've grown to love that reasoning and um, that was the only thing i disliked about it because yeah from that point on it just feels so much the movie feels either like there's no consequences or everyone who dies i'm like but why did they die <laughs> you could just yeah. put that thing on their brain yeah well it's to be fair yes it's not my favorite way that a character's been brought back by um I'm a bit more okay with it if you sort of consider that Kingsman, I think, as a comic, isn't like it's it's like the movies, they're half serious, half parody. I yeah. think a lot of Kingsman, I can't remember who um did Kingsman of uh, the, the comic. I, I know Matthew Vaughn directed it. Um mm. but like it's kind of a parody. Yeah, yeah. Of, of of comic books so part of that is thinking of the most ridiculous reasons like the the bullet patch is like a parody of something that would happen in an actual comic book because you, know, yeah, you can get yeah, ridiculous absolutely. stuff like that happening in a comic book yeah uh, definitely I mean yeah that is like that is the justification for it and it, 
if it was going to happen in anything, it's like Kingsman could gets away with it much more than anything else. I think if that was a Marvel movie, I'd be much more annoyed than I am. But yes, I, the Kingsman universe feels sort of isolated enough that I'm like, yeah, okay, <laughs> you know. But that that is the the one part that annoys me about it more than anything else. But uh, yeah, I think you are right. It 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 gets away with it. it. It you sort of, as you say, a nod and a wink, and just don't think too much about this is. Uh, that's that's okay reasoning, I suppose, for for something like that. Honestly, the way some people talk about Kingsman, the Golden Circle is hilarious. Like you would think from what they were saying, the first one was a super serious non-party <laughs> spy movie. They're yeah. supposed to be comedies. I feel like I was going insane because to be fair, I thought everyone when Kingsman Golden Circle came out loved it. I watched it and loved it, but then you read stuff months later and people are all bitching about it. I'm like, I don't I really like it to be fair. Universe, it's. It's a, well, at least don't like it because you didn't find it entertaining or something. Yeah, it's supposed it was to be not because it was comedy. ridiculous. Yeah, that was not my. I wasn't like, well, this has gotten very silly. <laughs> that wasn't yeah. my problem. With it. You know, that's what, that was genuinely what a lot of people were complaining about. It was the same yeah. thing then when we had the King's Man, which I really liked again. Mm. Uh, I feel like I'm a much bigger fan of this series than most people are. But people are telling me <laughs> that was that was just ridiculous. It was, I thought I was getting serious movie. It's a Kingsman movie. Yeah. Just because it was World War One. <laughs> I think these people watched Skyfall and then and then <laughs> Kingsman. Not that Skyfall is even that serious either, but um, yeah, I Skyfall. don't know what they were expecting. Skyfall, to be fair, is so good. And I think if you rewatch it, I really it's like Skyfall. Actually, very funny. Like, yeah, I I, every, I like it. Every bit I think because Silver it's so funny. I think it's it feels so classic Bond though, like feels mm. kind of old school Bond, and that like it's got a bit of cheesiness to it. I'm I'm really like, and this is maybe more of a recent development in the last couple of years, but I'm I love a bit of cheesiness now in a movie. Yeah. Not not, but again, not necessarily a parody, just like. Or not even tongue in cheek, just genuinely being like, "Yeah, this is cheesy. It's fun," you know, and just being like, "Yeah, we we're allowed to." It's a James Bond movie. They've been yeah. dumb for years, and you just yeah. forgot because Daniel Craig was really good in Casino Royale. Yeah, Sky. So, um, pardon me. All of Craig's Bond films are really good, but Skyfall and Casino Royale are so far clear of the others. Yeah, C- Casino Royale is absolutely my favorite, and and then Skyfall closely behind. Um, yeah. I agree. Uh, yeah, I, I love love it, love it. Um, well, that's that's about all I can think of in terms of character deaths and resurrections. Unless you've got any anything to end on, any closing notes on? Maybe do you want to give advice to Hollywood as how they should go about this kind of thing when they're when they want to kill off a character and bring them back? I think um, try to avoid doing it as much as possible, unless it fits narratively. I think if to justify also helps if you genuinely kill off a few other characters. Uh, yeah. And if you're going to do it, it needs to, it needs, as I said, it needs to serve a purpose in the story. And there needs to be an art of development, you know, uh, dying and then being, coming back to life should be highly traumatic. Yeah. You know, that would be my main advice. But I think at the end of the day, if you do it well enough, you can break any of the rules. The Very Barbarossa true. one breaks all the rules. Yeah, still works. Yeah, it was done the, well Barbosa <laughs> the Barbosa rule. The Barbosa rule. Excellent. I think that's solid advice, Luke. All right. Well, we will move on to our our next segment. Um, we're going to do. Have you seen this? This is where we talk about what we've been watching or 
playing or reading or doing for the past little week or so and we we have a chat about it look have you seen speed or, or uh, with Keanu Reeves yes with Keanu Reeves uh no I have not <laughs> okay I watched speed last week uh and I, I watched it with my with my housemates and it I had a, such a great time watching this movie it is not bad bad is the wrong word but it is goofy as hell it's like it doesn't make any sense it's really silly and it's just uh, incredible i love it it's a 90s action film it absolutely is a 90s action film uh and it's just a great time really fun um it's sort of it's really not intense at all but the in the like false intensity they put on every scene is like they're trying so hard to make it the most intense thing ever and it just it really isn't but it's still so fun to watch. It's really fun to watch with other people and make fun of. Again, not because it's bad, just because it's so silly, which I think is the best. Like, that's such a great combination. I think it's, yes, it's fun to make fun of a bad movie, but see making fun of a good movie that's just ridiculous is even better because then you're actually, you're still enjoying watching the movie, but you also get the payoff of like, isn't this so dumb? And I just, I had a great time watching this movie. It's more of a good experience than it is a good movie. I think that's the best way to put it. But yeah, if you want Keanu Reeves just really chewing some scenery, this is the this is the movie for it. Um, you just go into town, and it is like it's ridiculous. It, it heightens and heightens and heightens as in exactly the way you'd expect a movie about a, a bomb on a bus to go. Um, but yeah, I I, I really liked it. the Father Ted party. All that is is possibly my favorite episode. Yeah. That is reason enough alone for for this movie to exist. Uh, um, just for the the Father Ted episode, uh, absolutely. It's like that might be mo- a more intense version of the actual movie, but nonetheless, I had a great time watching it. Um, look, what have you been seeing this week? Uh, what have I been seeing? Uh, I was going to say She Hulk, but I, I haven't watched the last episode yet. So Ooh, I just watched the last episode time. today. So we will we will chat about caught, that. You caught up something shocking. Sorry. Yeah, I hadn't seen any, and then I watched all of it. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'll probably yeah I'll talk about uh, what's on cinema last week since I teased that. Reese, have you seen how they see how they run? No, I was gonna go and see it, but it wasn't in the cinema anymore. <laughs> Yes. Well, I knew it was definitely coming to the tail end of its run. And uh, the cinema, same thing with video games, loads of things have gotten pushed back. So the winter release schedule is a bit bare bones. So I thought, you know, mm-hmm. if there's a movie you want to go see, go see it. Because yeah. uh, there'll be loads of weeks up, Tom and Roldy, nothing to see. Uh, video games, you can't really do that. Video games are just going to be bad this uh dislike on in winter i'm sorry to say there isn't that much release and anywho yes so see how they run for those who don't know see how they run is a the genre is it's a classic british first movie uh it's about a, a murder takes place during the party celebrating the hundreds uh running of the mousetrap play uh, a play written by Agatha Christie in London's West End for those of you who don't know uh, so this is set in the early ni- in, I was going to say early 1950s yes I think it was I think it's 52 or 53 um, 
the mouse trap is now the longest running uh, play in the West and uh, it's ran continuously since the early 50s. I think it's ran something like 24,000 times now. Uh, this is back when it was just running for the hundredth time. A measly hundreds. Yeah, so there's a, there's a murder of the director who's going to adapt it into a Hollywood movie. And it's then investigated by our two, by our erstwhile detective and his, uh, and the, uh, the police constable played by um, Saoirse Ronan, who absolutely steals the show. She is so funny in it. Nice. Uh, uh, the movie as a whole, I think it is funny. Uh, I think for whatever reason, the comedy sort of teals off. Um, in the second half of the movie, the first half is really funny. I laughed out loud multiple times mm. sitting by myself in the cinema. Second <laughs> yeah. half is still good, but it becomes a slightly more conventional whodunit. Um, yeah. It's kept my attention till the end. Quite enjoyed it. I'd say solid seven out of ten. I would definitely recommend it if you can pick it up. It does feel like one of those movies you're not necessarily. As I would still go to see it, so go to see it in the cinema because watching comedies with other people is always good. As I said, you're not going to have loads to necessarily watch over the next few months, uh, so I'd still recommend seeing it in cinemas you can. But it's not one of those movies that I think you're massively going to miss out if you yeah. watch it from compared to in the cinema. But yeah, I, sadly, I sadly missed it in the cinema because I actually was quite excited to see it. Um, really like the cast. I love a whodunit, so I was like, oh, this will be really good. But then uh, didn't get around to it and went to check literally the other day and it was uh, no longer in the cinema, which was kind of a shame. But um, I will, it, that feels like the sort of movie that will be um, on, on Sky Movies or something shortly. So definitely, this, definitely one of those movies I think would be good to watch with your family because, like, yeah, that's not directed at you necessarily. I, I think it would be good for you to watch with your family. That's more of like a general, you like, you that's know, how said too. You know why it's hard to like judge? Yeah. Sometimes well, a movie would be a good fit for your family. I think this is the sort of one I think is good to watch with your family. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Murder Mystery is always good to watch with other people because everyone just gets their own little ideas. And then it's, mm. I don't know, there's a sense of community about those those types of movies. It's the, it's the Cluedo-ness of it all, you know? Yeah, um. yeah that's <laughs> actually, that's uh, who done it's one of the two big releases i'm looking forward to most of this autumn that we're actually getting that well i think this one has been delayed actually it just has been delayed to now i think it's coming out later this month uh this knives out the glass onion i think that's going to be the best that's going to be one of the best movies of this year of this year definitely has potential I'm, I'm very excited about that yeah murder mysteries are back man and i'm 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 all here for it i like it i love those love that kind of movie I love a little mystery um excellent well We'll look forward to that. And uh, I think that's going to do us for this week. Thank you very much for listening to the Crack and Banter podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you want to find us, we are on social media. We're on Instagram and Twitter. We have a subreddit. You can send us an email to crackandbanterpod at gmail.com. Feel free to ask us questions, give us reviews. We've been posting some little um, questions on our Instagram stories recently. So if you follow us there, that's a good place to actually get involved with what we've been uh, looking at and looking for um i really like reading everyone's suggestions some people 
have this the craziest opinions about things and I, I find that really interesting so hopefully we can get some more of that um if you want to get involved with the show uh, please make sure to, to like and follow us on whatever you listen on and we'll see you next week look do you want to close us out yes I've been Luke, he's been Reese. thank you for listening to the Crack and Banter podcast. Last Friday after watching the movie, I went to TK Maxx and finally managed to get a one litre metal water bottle, one of those ones that thermally keeps it cold or warm. And it was only eight pounds and it's got a pirate ship on it, or it might just be a regular ship, but I'm choosing to believe it's a pirate ship. See you next time. See you next time. Thank you.